now we have these entrenched energy monopolies and cartels. You know, we have OPEC and we have the seven sister oil companies to control all the oil and energy. But what people have to understand is that the people who run the energy business in this world, which is the biggest business on the planet, turning over four to five trillion dollars a year, bigger than guns and drugs, it's bigger than defense. They control the newspapers, they control the governments. But these companies are so big that they regulate the government which regulates them. It's not free, nothing is free, uh, but uh, cheap and efficient energy exchange is the viable concept. Now I say that everything in this universe is free energy. It's been dreamed of for hundreds of years that somewhere, someplace, as Tesla said, man will hook his machinery to the very wheelwork which drives the universe itself. The history of science is the history of the suppression of great inventions. Uh, a few classic stories, Nikola Tesla. Nikola Tesla is regarded as the founding father of free energy. His astounding developments in the generation of alternating electrical current are still being used today. His most notorious project involved the transmission of wireless electricity into the atmosphere, which allowed for unlimited power to be freely accessed by everyone. When his financial backer, J.P. Morgan, realized that this power system could not be metered, all funding was immediately withdrawn. Tesla's electrical broadcast towers were dismantled, and through Morgan's many close connections with the media and government, Tesla's career was destroyed. In 1977, Bruce De Palma unveiled the first prototype of the N-Machine, an electrical generator which uses rotating magnets to generate up to five times more power than it takes to drive it. I know about the fact that the Japanese government and the Indian government have ongoing projects to produce N-Machines for domestic power. Uh, my partner is Paramahamsa Tiwari, who is the director of the Nuclear Power Corporation of India, which operates all the nuclear plants in India. In late 70s, I learned from Bruce de Palma that he had carried out certainly a crucial experiment by rotating electromagnets. Tiwari tested a prototype based on the Palmer's end machine under laboratory conditions. The results were deemed too impressive, causing disbelief and suspicion among conservative government officials and the power consortiums that backed the project. Tiwari was forced to abandon the project completely. It's a major breakthrough that will no doubt make motorists happy. And as Rob Robinson explains, the Pentagon is also showing lots of interest in this project. U.S. inventor Stan Myers released his water-powered car engine in 1988. found it virtually impossible to secure financial backing after certain Pentagon officials paid him a visit. A number of similar inventions were developed and tested all around the world. My best friend was killed over this man. There's a chap here, about 10 minutes away from here, driving. He has been running his car on water since 1986, with the government's permission, provided that he keeps his mouth shut. And with regular intervals, using his own words, they keep warning him to keep his mouth shut. One of our um, colleagues, Mr. Uh, 
colleagues who have been running Khan on the border for the 10-year period now, he's, he reckons that he's 26 times more powerful than Tesla. a better mousetrap, you know, the world may be the path to your door. If you invent a free energy machine, there'll be a path to be to your door, but you don't want those people there. One of the pivotal people that uh, I encountered early in my uh, career was a division of the Edgar J. Mitchell, an Apollo mission astronaut, founded the Neuretics Institute in Southern California. The Institute's charter was supposedly to develop alternative energy systems by attracting inventors from all over the country. Mitchell became extremely interested in De Palma's end machine. He made De Palma a paltry offer to buy out the invention which De Palma naturally refused. He said to me that uh, if I ever tried anything on my own in California, I would get my head blown off. So I was scared to death. The CIA operates through various very innocent looking fronts to find out what people are thinking and, and what they're inventing. Now, what's more innocent than the denying institute founded on transcendental principles to help new age inventors bring free energy into the world? And that situation still exists in the United States today where person really understands what's going on just can't get their idea out because the alternative science and medical fields have been co-opted by the intelligence services and he converted this little engine to go on water this is many many years ago and he used it for several years and somehow the news got out and one day he got visitors and he was told to dump the engine or else three weeks later the man was dead and the coroner's finding was that he fell off the back of a train. He was drunk. Now it happened that he didn't drink. Even Dr. Townsend T. Brown, the uh, electrophobinic uh, research scientist, uh, has on his 16-millimeter film of his lab disc, which we've got here, he had guys with the black suits and black hats come into the place. You can see where the legends come from. I mean, uh, these guys come in and they, they look like, you know, bad bark black man. I mean, it's just... It's classic, and these things do happen. There is no progressive science in a world where every scientific uh, idea is evaluated for its military potential. Power, or energy, and control of energy equals power in a world order that is emerging. To control the energy, the way we get around, the way we get electricity, the way we cover TVs and video cameras, if you do the control of the energy, then you've got control of the people.
out there in Marvelland, face front. This is Stan Lee speaking. Hey, who made you a disc jockey, Lee? Well, well, Jolly Jack Kirby. By the way, Jack, the readers have been complaining about Sue's hairdo again. What am I supposed to do? Be a hairdresser? Next time I'll draw a bald-headed. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bullpen Bulletins Podcast, comma, a celebration of all things Marvel, exclamation point. I'm one of the idiots that do this shit. <laughs> I'm your host, Vince B. And I'm David Price. And uh, as usual, we've dragged a couple of our buddies kicking and screaming into the studio with us. We have a, geez, it must be his like sixth or seventh time with us. You know him, you love him. He has beautiful man boobs. Jefferson Workman. Only you would know that. Hello, Felix and Oscar. Hello. <laughs> he gets carrot crumbs on my carpet all the time. Another returning guest for probably the fifth time, the penciler of the amazing scar tissue and an all-around hell of a guy, Mr. Dave Wachter. Hello. Hello, everyone. Hello, everybody. Oh, uh, I, I'm all Harry carried out. No more. <laughs> if you listen to Around Comics, you know that Mr. Um, John Suntress is taking a, well, let's call it a little bit of a leave of absence for a while to concentrate on other things, and he'll be missed. Moving on to bigger and better things. Well, yeah, since, Harry, especially since this will pay him. Right. Harry Carey won't be missed, but John Suntress will. I'll miss He's going to be developing his uh, mimicry talents. <laughs> That's true. Yes. You just yes, put him in a cage and he can say nasty <laughs> things to your wife. <laughs> so uh, tonight's subject is uh, up for grabs. We're going to offer it up to our guests since they are our guests. They're visitors in our little house of ideas and we're going to let them pick. You have two things to pick from. Number one, the s- reportedly offensive cover and the... Uh, tumult that erupted over Heroes for Hire number 13. I'm buzzing in on that one. Okay. Or we thought we'd take a look at post-Civil War Marvel and rate the books in accordance to whether they've improved or failed after Civil War. Shit, should that mean I've read something? Well, why start now? There you go. Thank you. So, you know, you guys can pick. We don't really care. We're just here to have fun. We don't care here. Just, you know, just putting something out there. Well, I'm all talked out on the first one. Okay. Oh, 
no, we can we can do that if you're in the mood. It doesn't matter. Let let's get let's uh, add David's opinion because his opinion kind of sort of matters a little bit. Little David, bit. Dave, what do you want to talk about? That's the things are changing around here. David's opinion matters. Oh. I know. What show is this? Wait, is, it it you know what it really you know I. I can understand if if Dave's talked out on certain things. I have no problem with that. And if you know, I mean, we're we can talk Marvel till we're blue in the face. You know, it, it really. I'll, I'll go with the flow. I'll chime in every once in a while, regardless of the topic. America sure has changed since I was a little boy. Really, Grandpa? How? Well, back then things moved at a slower pace. Folks cared about each other. Really? America was blessed by God because we were free to pray whenever we wanted. Cool. Then the Pledge of Allegiance was declared unconstitutional because of the phrase, under God. Whoa. And then our national motto, in God we trust, was removed from all our money. Oh, man. Now America so completely eradicated God, it's a crime to worship Him anywhere. That's why I'm in prison. All right, visiting hours are over, son. Bye, Grandpa. I'll see you next month. Bye, David. Remember, I love you and I'm praying for you. Shut up, old man. That's how you got here in the first place. I guess it's up to me, huh? <laughs> You're the tiebreaker. <laughs> For those of you who visit our forum, bullpenbulletinspodcast.com, if you don't already uh, frequent the place, we wish that you would at least give it a look-see. And, uh, you know, there's we have a, a great bunch of guys, and we'd very much appreciate you, your participation. But a couple of days ago, David and I had a back and forth about the... Mary Jane statue from Sideshow. And David and I are very passionate people when we have a, a bug up our ass. And, you know, we went at it a little bit. And I got to say, he knocked the wind out of me. <laughs> so, you, you know, you can understand if David, Dave, David, David doesn't want to talk about that stuff for right now. But if you want to read that, go on to our forum. It was a pretty good discussion. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the, right? uh, everybody... For the most part, everybody that participated in it really, um, as far as I recall, nobody was bad-mouthing anybody. Was, you know, I mean, opinions mattered. People stood behind, you know, whatever they wanted to say, and nobody really, I don't think anybody was insulted or meant to be insulted. You have to take me off the ignore list, uh, David, if you want to read my post. <laughs> I love your posts. I, I wish we had an ignored list. <laughs> that would be awesome because then I'd never have to read David's posts again. That's true. But so it was a very heated discussion, and you're right. Everybody pretty much was civil. I only get yeah. I only get into those kind of discussions with people whose opinions I respect so if I invest the time in, in a discussion like that you know I, I I just love the person on the other end so oh, I believe there are angels among us there you go Mr. Wachter <laughs> so I, I guess we're talking about post-Marvel Civil War but before we get into that 
you know, we have to go into a little bit of where we were for a couple of weeks. As usual, we had a little bit of a hiatus. You know, things, <laughs> things self self imposed. So, so, yeah, it was it was kind of an unfortunate uh, thing. I got a little bit of problems with my mom. I'm not going to get into it because really no one cares. All they want to hear about is comics, as far as this show is concerned. And you got to deal with stuff that you got to deal with. And yeah, I was the worst when you're trying to record a podcast. And you know your mom wants to come down to the basement and do the laundry. Yeah, and have and <laughs> so have, <laughs> you know, and she's in the mood for sex and stuff. It's really hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think we just you, talked. That was the discussion of those covers. Yeah, <laughs> that was it right there. You're right, and you know you got to punch the clock sometimes, but you don't want to. You have other things going on. But anyway, so I had some stuff to take care of, and to be honest with you, I think. Us focusing entirely on Marvel was a little bit of a blessing and a little bit of a curse. Because I don't know about you guys, but there are sometimes I just don't want to talk about Marvel. There's a hell of a lot of good comics out there, and I want to get into them. I want to get into Fear Agent and Godland and Casanova and Savage Dragon <laughs> and just, <laughs> you know, and Omega Men from DC, which was a really amazingly well done miniseries. Uh, we could even talk about Countdown. So I floated the idea. If Commandy's in it, we're going to talk about it. But wait for him to show up then. Right. And you know, my luck, it'll probably be an issue drawn by Jim Calafiore. (laughs) But but anyway, so if um, we divert our attention to non-Marvel books from time to time, you know why. I I would like to call it Bullpen Bulletins, a celebration of all things comics, but I don't think it's going to get that extreme. But from, you know, from now on, we're going to mix it up a little bit. We're not only going to talk about Marvel. Maybe uh, we won't be pegged as zombies. Because I love a lot of comics from a lot of different publishers. And I'm... Uh, I'm I, a comic book reader. That's right. I'm and I'm a fan, not, so... I, I'll defend Marvel when they're, when they're right. And I'll rip them down when they're wrong. And I'm honest, if anything. I fucking hate that zombies term anyways. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Cool. It just kind of implies we're mindless. Which we'll is true. Follow, we'll follow anything. <laughs> we'll follow uh, anything that Marvel puts out. Uh, at a well, very uh, slow pace. <laughs> I didn't know we had Bub on the show tonight. Buy a bad. Quiet down, Mr. Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> so, I lost my train of thought. Other comics. Other comics. Okay. We may even focus on, say, other aspects of pop culture, too. If we get a good game or if we have a couple of recordings we think are worthy. I mean, we're not going to focus, you know, not for the whole show, but we're going to talk about a whole bunch of things to the point where, you know, it may resemble pop cult without the the burly, sexy host. (laughs) With a lot less color. With a lot less melanin. He he, <laughs> he is a cutie. Yes, he is, and he may he's got some great. Yeah, he's got some damn fine episodes. There was an episode a few weeks back about um, racism in comics, as far as you know, in in the comic books themselves, not not just you know within the industry. And he's just he always has a good group of people on with him, and and, and Rick's just a a great host, a great talker. And you know he's he, he's got opinions about everything, which is always great. I do, though, think that if we're going to make any huge or subtle 
changes in the format or in the show that if anybody has anything to say about it, mm-hmm. if they want to send us an email at vince at bullpenboltonspodcast.com or david at bullpenboltonspodcast.com or even calling the buzz line or even going to the forum let us know your thoughts opinions yay or nay you know just get it off your chest yeah I don't know about comic fans they're not really up for pointing out things they don't like that's true and and but they're but they're real good with change you notice that <laughs> and if if you do have the urge to call our buzz line, the number is one eight 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 six five four two two seven eight. One more time for the hearing impaired, one eight 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 six five four two two seven eight. When it asks you for the code, put in two eight five seven three six two eight five five two eight five seven three six two eight five five. The pin number is five 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 five. Easy to remember. That's a lot of numbers. It is. Yeah, yeah, as Daryl yeah, pointed out to us, thank you very much. Too many damn numbers. Uh, he was right. And uh, when you're all done, just press 2 and you can save it. You know, I don't like following the format. And that's what we've been doing so far. I mean, everybody has these preconceived notions about what podcasts are. Because, let's be honest, the medium is relatively new and and there have been a couple of high points in various genre-related podcasts around comics. I, I don't think anybody does it better. So there are the, the trend seems to follow the leaders of the pack. I don't want to do that. I, if I had my way, this thing would sound like a fat man sucking smoke out of his ass while he's playing a, gr- a violin or something, and, and we would just talk over it. But you, you, you have to target your audience, and I don't think our audience would like that. So I, I rein it in a little bit, but don't. What I, I want this thing to be unexpected. I, I want someone to not know what's coming next. Just to walk away from it, even if they don't appreciate or agree with what we have to say, just come away from it saying, I, I don't think I've ever heard anything like that before. That's what I want. I want to try something new, something different every time and just mix it up and get a little bit of a little creative with it and a little artsy fartsy, you know. So uh, strap in because we're going to make some wild sweeping auditory changes anyway. Break the podcast world in half. I don't think so. Oh, I would, okay, I, you know, I would just like to, good or bad, stand out from everybody else. Go west, young man. Yeah. Next episode, we're going to do it all in Esperanto. <laughs> so tune in I'm for waiting that. I'm for the Braille episode. <laughs> muy, muy bueno. <laughs> from every act of pleasure comes an equal act of perversion. From every act of pleasure comes an equal act of perversion. From every act of pleasure comes an equal act of perversion. Now, one man seeks to experiment with the sexes. The curious Dr. Hump. To satisfy his science. You must continue to develop the ingredients for the aphrodisiac yourself. Prepare her. And his sick curiosity. I intend to use you along with the others in the experiments. <laughs> Your love means nothing. Your body already belongs to me and I'll use it every way I want. Who is Dr. Hunt? The young scientist turned people into automatons. He used them in terrible experiments. The experiments were sexual and perverted. The curious Dr. Hum. 
defy him and die. Follow him and penetrate his palace of perversion, where you will discover every known sex act and type. The homosexual, the exhibitionist, the lesbians, the orgiasts, the masturbator. Trapped in a sexual prison, and you hope to survive the madness of a man? You'll do everything to her that a man can. He will drive you to climactic frenzy. And the passion of his women? The fate of the future for all men and women in the hands of a man whose curiosity drove him too far. We invite the curious. We invite the concerned. But we urge all who see this film to come prepared to exercise control. Because nothing like this has ever gripped your senses before. Sex dominates the world. And now, I dominate sex. The curious Dr. Hunt. The most curious picture of them all. So, uh, if anybody, do you have anything to talk about before we jump into this? What have you guys been doing? Dave, how's scar tissue? It's, uh, fine. Are you finished re-inking? Yes. Cool. Yeah, Seriously. basically <laughs> off to the printers. Yeah. You know, and, and you people need <laughs> to visit the Dial R Studio Forums, dialrforums.com, because Dave actually has a few pages or at least one page in particular that stood out to me from the first issue where he, he showed you the original page and then how he how it looks now that he redid it. And it is so fucking night and day, it's not even funny. The man has just grown by leaps and bounds. Yep. Well, it, doesn't, uh, it doesn't deserve all the cursing, but thank you. <laughs> no, that's for emphasis, <laughs> God damn it. It's a feeble mind that resorts to swearing for well, emphasis. There we go. <laughs> Damn Skippy, motherfucker! I live uh, that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, the uh, trade is done. The fifth issue is done. We're done. It's done. So what's next for Dave Wachter? I don't know. We'll see. I got a couple things in the cooker. Is that right? What's a cooker anyway? Well, I got some things on the oven. I guess on the burners go. or whatever. So we'll, we'll see. I ordered the uh, I ordered the Hope New Orleans trade paperback, so I'm I'm looking forward to that pinup you did for that book. Oh yeah, I got a whole pinup in there, so I hope you didn't buy it just for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I bought it for a good cause, but it's nice to know that your artwork's in there too. Yeah. Speaking of good causes, I was at Best Buy today, and a pi- yeah, I picked up a CD. Which is freaking incredible. If anybody likes you heavy... Buy it or just pick it up? No, I bought it. If anybody oh, okay. likes kitschy heavy metal in the Kiss, Alice Cooper kind of vein, pick up, the Lord, pick up the Lordy CD. It is awesome. But anyway, so on the way out, they have this plaque underneath the, uh, the register desk that says, if you'd like to give to uh, wounded veterans... Oh, the Fisher House. Yes, and they have a picture of a man in a wheelchair with his with his army uniform on, and a and a child and his wife. And I, you know, how how could you possibly say no to that? Especially since the guy only has one leg or one full leg. Right, and and 
I she the girl said, "Would you like to give to the Fisher Fund?" And I said, "Well, yeah, I guess." I didn't want to be a dick, you know, <laughs> so I gave. I mean, it's a good cause, nevertheless. But talk about you know pulling at the heartstrings yeah. to get. I'm the oh. same way with the. I mean, not that you know some people I think about things differently, but I mean, I'm the same way when I go to the pet store and they're like, "Well, you know, do you want to give to like." pet shelters or you know make sure dogs are fed and things like that you know if you want to give a dollar after you pay your bill and it's you know it, it, it is you really can't say no but then I'm but if you already if you already do things like that the person behind you online may not know that so if you say no and they're like oh you know are you too good for this but they don't know what the hell you may do you your 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 parents may be you know war vets and you take care of them or you already you know donate in other ways yeah, but I, I mean, I always the, say no. Really? Well, yeah. If I, well, if I don't know what the care, you know, yeah, I, I'll do my. I'll, I don't give to any charities that I don't have some sort of research on to right. know how effective they are. Right. There's so many charities, it all all the money goes. You know, so much of the money doesn't end up where it's supposed to. So. Right. And and whenever I see something like that, the you know the pessimist in me kicks in and and thinks, well, if it weren't for the assholes in charge, that man would never be in that wheelchair in the first place. Because exactly. he's he's relatively young. Yeah, he was probably in his 30s, which means he was either wounded or he got that way because of the recent activity in the Middle East, which is just fucking stupid to begin with. So, But I, I, I can't fault the guy. I mean, he didn't know what he was getting into. I, I am. <laughs> I, I, I am a flaming liberal. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the subject for somebody else's podcast. Jefferson, I'm sorry. What are you doing? What are you What are you working on? Well, besides setting tentacle porn. Yeah. For a couple hours. <laughs> Actually, can we? Can, you know can, what? Can I didn't I, even. I. You know, I didn't even fucking know about this shit until you know I started reading about it. I don't watch uh, anime. Uh-huh. At all, but I remember in the '80s I had rented something called something Overlord or yes, I have them. Uh, <laughs> that was a guess on my part, by the way. <laughs> Those fucking tentacles with the penis with the penis heads on them—it's like shit. Let, let's get so, it right. It's a Ratsuki Doji. Ah, yes. Yeah, okay, gotcha, man. <laughs> At last, science fiction creates the ultimate man, Inframan. And a motion picture creates the ultimate spectacle. beyond your wildest imagination with the man beyond bionics six million light years beyond believability is he man or machine electronic circuits integrated with living cells in the living body of a man powered by nuclear energy Man. 
You won't believe your eyes. You won't believe your ears. You won't believe your mind. Now, Joseph Brenner brings you the most advanced product of bionic science, towering above them all. Thunderbolt fists. Rocket feet. Can Inframan survive heat that melts rock? Cold that freezes fire. Is Inframan a match for men of steel? motion picture that will stagger your imagination. Man, the ultimate in science fiction. Hello, and thank you for calling the Bullpen Bolton's podcast. To hear Vince B. talk about how comics were better when he was a young man, press one. To listen to David Price complain about the term floppies, press two. To hear Dave Walker do an impersonation of Christopher Walken, press three. To listen to Pat Loika talk about his insane adventures as a hotel manager, press four. If you would like to review these options, press zero. Thank you for calling Bullpen Bulletin's podcast. Where everything is marvelicious. Hey, you got your boob in my scotch. Woo! We're here with Simone Bianchi, the current artist on Wolverine, written by Jeff Loeb. Welcome, Simone. Well, thank you so much, Miga. All right. You're uh, one of Marvel's young guns. How did that come to be? 
actually, uh, um, we never talk about that. I just found out pretty suddenly about that. Uh, I had this, got this email from Joe Quezada, and he was kindly asking me to be part of them. And uh, to be honest with you, <laughs> I didn't have a clue <laughs> about the first uh, lineup of Young Guns. So Joe Q uh, kind of explained me the way it works, and who would have been the other artists involved. And so it's it's uh, it happened uh, pretty out of the blue for me. But when I found out the kind of names who enjoy who have enjoyed the first lineup of uh, Young Guns. Uh, and I find out about the new guys along with me, like Francis Lian Liu, Ariel Olivetti, and all those guys. I was like blown away and, <clears throat> and very happy about that. I, mean, I was really uh, honored. And it's been, it's been, again, it's been really like a surprise for me about. Uh, uh, I'm I'm really happy to be part of it because it seems like Marvel really trusts these six guys uh, and the best. So I I can I, I I really can't be any happier about this. Um, I was talking to artist Andrea DeVito uh, the other day, yes. and uh, he said that living in Italy, having the staggering amount of of art that you guys have, that uh that it influenced him in a big way. Was that your case too? Uh, yes, of course. I mean, uh, I, first off, I've been knowing Andrea for a long time, and we're really close friends, and if I understood mm, correctly you answer, it's about Italian artists who influenced me and Andrea as well, right? Uh, well, and the, just the, the, the amount of art, because you guys have... Okay, you mean classical art too? Yeah, you guys have like two thirds uh, of the art in the whole world. <laughs> yes, it's true. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a. <laughs> that's, um, uh, I don't know how to answer this. I mean, uh, I think Andrea was pretty, pretty right when when he told you that because, uh, as for my own experience, I did uh, an artistic high school. I I. Um, I attend the uh, Fine Arts Academy after that in Florence. So um, just to give you an idea uh, uh, about about what we're talking about, mm, the uh, the building where uh, where I did my classes at the Fine Art Academy in Florence was right next to the door where the mm, Michelangelo David is. So we're kind of surrounded by art uh, everywhere, especially in Tuscany. And Andrea was born and raised in Rome, so for him is even even worse, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And uh, but I have to say, as I was uh, telling you uh, personally, and I think I can <clears throat> speak for Andrea too, we had a really Great legacy of comic book and illustrator illustration artist uh, from 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 the last 50, 50 years uh, uh, that really influenced me and I think Andrea too. Uh, we both 
we were both close friends and kind of students of Claudio Castellini, the guy who did that amazing uh, Silver Surfer graphic novel back back in the 90s. And we, um, but I mean, beside Claudio, who's been like really a mentor to me and to Andrea and to Gabriele de Lotto, to, to a lot of guys who are car currently working in the, in the States, we have so many amazing artists like Sergio Topi, uh, too many to name them all. And and I think it, as I as I as I told you, uh, it's not just about the classical art. Uh, it's just about what the classical art uh, spawn uh, in terms of contemporary artists. So yes, I mean definitely. I mean he helped a lot to have this kind of close contact and influence by by everything that surra surrounds you i mean everywhere in the streets it's not it's not you you don't have to to go in a museum if you know what i mean we just kind of surrounded it. i mean not not just uh, and I'm not talking about just paintings and sculptures, even buildings. I mean, I'm living in an amazing, beautiful town. It's called Luca, and we got uh, these medieval walls surrounding us. And we have we have this great comic convention in right, November. Right, right. Andrea was telling me about it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I I had I I I I've got to say, Andrea uh, didn't show up lately at the convention, so I can't wait for him to be back here. But anyhow, just to give you an idea of, of how the, 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 the town, that it's definitely a small town, looks like, we had as a special guest of honor this year Alan Lee, the guy who did all the concept art uh, of Lord of the Rings trilogy movies. And Alan was kind of uh, floored by the beauty of the city. And one of his comments was, wow, I kind of feel like walking through through one of the sets of, of the of Lord of the Rings, m walking through, through all the streets inside the walls of Luca. It's just something magical. You should see with your own eyes. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I've never had the pleasure of um, actually going to Luca. Every time I go to Italy, I go every year. Uh, every time I go, I go to this little place called Rucorfano uh, near near Cremona. Okay. And uh, we, we end up going to the lakes to spend the time, and then back to to Rucorfen. But um, but yeah, we have friends there. So, but uh, but I I I would definitely like to go. Andrea was telling me about it, and I was enticed. Yeah, you should see. I mean, it's a, it's a feast. This year. This year we had something like uh, let me see, seventy or eighty thousand. I don't even remember how many people attending the show. Wow! And for uh, I mean, it's close to San Diego attendance. It's 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 just insane. That's okay, just awesome. yeah, it's it's more than awesome. It's just keep in mind that it's not just a comic book convention, but it, it is related with a. Uh, role-playing games convention too. Right. That is, a, uh, you know, it's pretty big here in Europe and here in Italy, especially here in Italy. So, but after all, I mean, it's at least we got like uh, 50 or 55,000 people just showing up because of their love for comics and, and for artists and writers. As long as we're on point. Um, how's the, the comic book um, industry in general in Italy? 
Yeah, it's uh, uh, it's it's kind of a weird situation, really weird. Uh, let me try to explain this. We have this huge publishing house. It's called Sergio Bonelli, uh, editore. And um, they have all the big books in Italy since uh, since like 1950, 1955. And characters like Dylan Dog, Tex, or Nathan Never, or Nathan Never, or characters like like those are all owned by Sergio and published by Sergio Bonelli Editore. So uh, the big difference uh, <coughs> uh, the big difference between here and the States is just we have this uh, huge publishing house and that's about it. Uh, in the States you have the two big like Marvel and DC, and then you have Dark Horse, Image, uh, I don't, you know, what else? IDW. I mean, you got some, uh, a lot of other small publishers. Uh, actually, Dark Horse is a, is a, it's pretty big too. And uh, in Italy, we have just this one big publisher uh, that put out every big books. And so, if you want to do comics in Italy. You have to work with them. That's it. Uh, otherwise, we have some little, uh, let's say, smaller publishing house like the one I used to work for, uh, Vittorio Pavesi Production, uh, who uh, do a kind of work very uh, related to French market, like you know, hardcover book, 44 right. pages, like graphic novel, yeah. and and. Um, what I, I mean, I have to, to credit my, my publishing house here in Europe, uh, Pavesio Production. Uh, they try to bring this kind of <coughs> book into the market in Italy, but it's tough and it's not working very well. And it's and and it's all it's about uh, you know the the fans. The, it's kind of I think people are not ready for that kind of market and, and those kind of books. Uh, it's a different story in France because everything is about graphic novel, hardcover graphic novel. So they have a huge, uh, amazingly huge market with millions, literally millions of, of copies sold. So it's, uh, it's a different story again. But they're doing a great job. They're doing a, a good job. Uh, rather than great, but uh, uh, they're doing at least they're trying to do their best, and and plus we have some small publisher uh, publishing house like Coconino Press who's doing some kind of uh, un, I want to say um, indie comic book. Uh, but beautiful books, great artists like GP and. What else? Let me see. And, and of course, we have Panini Comics, that it's <coughs> kind of an Italian and European division of Marvel Comics. And the guy uh, um, are translating all the books from Marvel and, and doing some projects uh, by themselves. Uh, so it's a big reality here in Europe, and especially they keep. 
the interest about Marvel characters and Marvel books and, and, and writers and artists high all over the country, of course, in, in France, in Germany, and uh, recently in South America, too. Uh, and, and, and Panini is insane when it comes to Marvel because Panini, Panini does the, uh, collect really brilliant collections that they don't even have in the States, just for the French market. Yes, it's true. It's yes, it's crazy. true. Yeah. yeah, but again, you know, Miguel, it's the, the fact is that France it's like a paradise for comics. So you can you can uh, like uh, you can afford yourself to do some kind of different things because you always know that you're gonna have some kind of good response from from fans. And yes, but it's true. They're doing an amazing job. They put together a great, amazing uh, art book, uh, all about M Marvel, uh, Marvel, uh, the Marvel work of uh, the work that uh, the, the the work that Gabriele Delotto did for Marvel. And I think we, they're gonna do the same thing for me uh, pretty soon. And so again, I'm, they they're doing a lot of. Uh, side, uh, a lot of projects on the side, uh, besides just mm, translating and doing brilliant uh, collection of American uh, stories. So they're really doing a great job, a real great pub, huge publishing house. The, the problem is, uh, nine, nine, I want to say 90% of the, of, of the books they're working on uh, are just uh, translation of original American comic books. Uh, and that's it. But the, the funny and weird thing about Bonelli, the big publishing house, is that they used to sell millions copies every month. And it's, uh, and it's un uh, just an amazing result if you compare the the amount of people who are living in Italy to the amount of people who are living in the states and uh, so it's uh, I, I want to say that the market is really florid and rich and, and the problem the only problem is just we have just this big publishing house in terms of you know people who are doing uh, their own um, uh, characters and, and books and but it, I mean, it, we can't complain. It's a, uh, it's a uh, really uh, good and and healthy, wealthy market here in in Italy. Hmm. Um, I understand that uh, you did some um, album cover work. Yes, I did. Can, can do you get the, when you're doing it? Do you get inspiration from the music, or does the band pretty much guide the design? Uh, no, uh, I have to say, no, I mean, I, mean um, I have to say the way it worked was uh, that me, uh, me and the guys uh, playing in the band, we were kind of sitting together, throwing some ideas, and then I, was, I would start sketching something and, and going ahead from that point on. Like, uh, uh, the music, I, I never, I, I did some something like i don't i don't even remember like six or seven different album cover covers and but i never heard the music before it was just about the concept of, of the songs or the general idea of the whole album 
to 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 come to comes first, and, and then we start talking about the idea and, and sketching around something, and finally, uh, I would I would have gone to the final painting right away. You you also did some um, teaching comic techniques. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? Actually, I mean, it's uh, it's one of those things that you have to do when you start doing this. I mean, I start I start drawing as a as a I start drawing and painting as a profession professionist when I was like uh, eighteen, nineteen years old. So when you are that, and I'm 35 now, so I'm talking about a long, a long time ago. So when you start doing this job, you have to find something else on the side uh, for making a living out of it, if you know what I mean. <laughs> so I start teaching as a as something necessary for me to to keep working, and but I have to say I enjoyed uh, everything I did from the International Comic School in Florence to the uh, the um, I, I used to do a lot of private lessons too over my parents house uh, uh, actually the, the guy who is working with me uh, and inking my stuff and helping me with everything we're doing here at the studio Andrea Silvestri used to be one of those students back in, in those days and so at least, uh, I mean, something good came out of of those lessons. But uh, uh, and then I start teaching at the Fine Art Academy in Carrara. Uh, but I have to say, when I start working for DC like two years and a half ago, I had to quit almost everything. Because I had no time left for going around and doing my classes, uh, comic classes. Uh, the only thing that I keep doing is the fine art in Carrara, the fine art academy in Carrara, because it it's very, it's a prestigious thing to do, and I think it's very uh, important. And that the the some I mean uh, an institutional. Uh, power like the the Fine Art Academy in Italy <clears throat> is recognizing the importance of uh, the comics as a as a you know as a real medium, something to study and to uh, to go through that. Um, but I, unfortunately, I think I'm gonna quit the Carrara. Carrara is like a town. It's a city close to Florence and Luca, up north in Tuscany. It's like one hour, one hour and something away from here driving. And I think I'm gonna quit that too because it's the the, the work I'm doing with Marvel and and DC right now for the covers for those Detective Comics covers is is uh, growing crazy and getting crazier day by day so I really don't have any time left it's it's but I mean it's it's a shame because I love to share my thoughts and what I learned from my from, from from my work and my job through these years with with these young guys but it's uh, I can't afford I can't afford it anymore in, ter in terms of time that that that's it Mm -hmm. 
Um, your work on uh, Shining Night for uh, DC was um, absolutely amazing. Uh, was was it difficult uh, drawing that book uh, from a Morrison script that uh, had so many other tie-ins or ties to the to the Seven Soldiers books? No, not at all. I, I, uh, uh, you know, frankness. I have to say, I didn't have any kind of clues out of the scripts that Grant was sending me uh, about what was going on in the other books. So I was kind of going straight my, uh, um, you know, uh, my way to to, uh, to to move forward with the Shining Knight without any, without having any kind of ideas about all the other times. So no, I have to say it's been really really easy to work with Grant. And it's been really a pleasure. I'm, I'm. Uh, it's just, it's uh, beyond any doubts. Grant is one of the most uh, uh, amazing genius all over the business, if not the best ever. Uh, I had the chance to re-read what Grant wrote in, in the in in that miniseries in Italian, and I have to say I was blown away. I was really. Uh, out of my mind, how good the the, the 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 script and the text was. The way he puts words together is just magical. And uh, I, this is happened like one or two weeks ago. So I was reading Shining Night, the Italian version of it from Planeta de Agostini, and uh, and I. <clears throat> Uh, perfectly remember that I thought, oh my God, I can't wait to, uh, I can't wait to work with these guys again. Besides, he's, a, I mean, I met him in San Diego one year and a half ago. He was a brilliant, super nice, uh, down to earth guy. He, he, I was really surprised in in a in a good way. But beside that, I mean, it's it's just <laughs> even if he would, if, he, if even if he was the the worst human being, <laughs> still the the greatest writer, uh, uh, I think all over the business. So I can't wait. What I love to do is, of course, would be to do a Batman uh, graphic novel together, maybe a hardcover or something like that, and. Uh, who knows? I mean, I'm I'm having such great time in Marvel, and they are treating me the best. I I can be literally any happier about how well they treated me. So you know, I don't know when or whether I'm gonna get back at DC. And so I, but what I definitely want to do and looking forward to is to uh, work back again with Grant. Uh, uh, as soon as possible. I don't know when. I think it's gonna happen. But it's been. I mean, getting back to your to your question, it's been really easy. Very professional guy. We got all the script in one time, every time. Like all the 20, 20, uh, 22 pages, uh, and so it was a pleasure to work with him. And <clears throat> and very. Uh, despite the com complete complexity of, of the dialogues or the captions and and so on, the script and the action was really easy to follow and for me to understand it. So, 
you can't really pick up any better artist. Uh, sorry, any better uh, writer to work to work yeah. with. I I didn't know that uh, Panetta di Agostini uh, did the uh, translations of comic books. Yes, uh, th they do. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, I'm not sure 100 percent of what are uh, about what uh, they are doing right now. I'm sure about the Seven Soldiers. Ev every book of of the Seven Soldiers, so Zetana, Clarion, Frankenstein, and so on. And they're doing Green Lantern and Green Arrow, and they're doing Green Lantern. Green Lantern, sorry, because the Italian pronunci pronunciation is Green Lant Lantern. <laughs> Green Lantern and Green Arrow um, book, the Green Lantern Rebirth book uh, with Ethan uh, Van Schiever uh, pages and Jeff Jones. They're doing, I think, one or two monthly book about uh, each Superman and Batman. Batman, of course. And uh, what else? Uh, they're doing. Uh, I think Manhunter. That's a lot. Yeah, no, but. Much more than 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 this. I don't I don't even remember. They doing. I think they're gonna. Do, I'm sure they're gonna do justice from Alex and uh, they're doing a they're doing a great job. And there was another book. Oh, of course they're doing identity crisis and all those uh, high you know big hits like. Uh, um, I, uh, Again, identity crisis or fifty-two is coming out. So they're doing a they're doing a great job actually. All right. Uh, when when you started working with the um, with the the U.S. Uh, U.S. big publisher like you did, um, what did it feel like? Ah, oh, I was really like out of my mind. I've I've been reading this kind of comic since I was literally a little kid, so it, it's been the dream of a lifetime to come true. So I remember that I started working on Shining Night, the first two issues, like a workaholic, literally. I was working like 12, 14 hours a day, every day, every weekend includes, even because I was working on my own book, Ego, Zoom, uh, at the same time. Uh, so it's been really crazy. I was, I, I want to say maybe I was overexcited. I like very, I can't, I could feel the energy, you know, and, and it's been, but I have to say I'm, 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 I'm as excited as I used to be when I started working at DC uh, nowadays too. Because uh, Miguel, again, it's, it's been my, dream forever and uh, so it was something like it was something that I was looking forward for a very long very long time so uh, it's been it's been a great sensation I have uh, an amazing uh, sweet memory uh, out of that period of my life You've worked with a lot of great writers, uh, Morrison, uh, Jeff Johns, um, yes. and now Jeff Loeb. Um, yes. And you're gonna be, and you're gonna be amazed by the next one. Trust me, <laughs> you're right. gonna be floored. <laughs> okay. Just trust me. 
So, uh, um, what's it like working for such well-known writers? Um, and and which one of these great writers' uh, scripts? I, I think I know the answer, but um, yes, which one of you know these? the answer already. Is this no, no, no? Is is it's easier to translate to art? Ah, that's a good question. Uh, I have to say, they are three completely different writers. If you would have the chance to to read uh, one of those scripts, you would amazed uh, how different they 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 look like. Uh, I want to say, Grant is more visionary, and he has very kind of English, you know. Uh, uh, in terms of 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 his vo vocabulary and his um, and is pretty cryptic. I want to say Jeff Jones. Uh, you know, I can I can't say a lot about Jeff. Besides, I mean, I met him. Very nice guy, but I, I I just had the chance to to work with him on, on just one book. There was Green Lantern issue number six. So. Uh, I can have a clear judgment about 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 his work and about working with him, and about the, uh, his scripts. Jeff is another story again, cause Jeff is the, is is a dream writer to work with for an artist, cause what he does is like asking you what you would like to to draw the best and, and the most, and and he and he writes exactly what what he. What you ask for, so that's pretty kind of him. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's <clears throat> it's, and I have to say the en uh, enthusiasm. Uh, I don't know how would you pronounce that enthusiasm. En enthusiasm. Enthusiasm of of Jeff is contagious. It's it's uh, it's just something beyond any imagination. Every time. I I finish a page or a, or a bunch of pages, and the uh, he looks. Uh, and and he takes a look. He, he, he writes back. He writes back to me and goes like, "Hey, you're the best! And <laughs> I can't believe you know." So it's it's very, it's a it's a it's a great gratification to to work with an, with a writer like that. And it's and it's a, a pure joy. And beside that is an amazing human being. It's really like full of energy. He can't stop for 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 more than five minutes doing the same thing. So producing something or writing something or going through different sets from heroes to lost. It's like it's like a storm, you know. It's it's uh it's uh it's so full of energy and you can feel it and. I really, I talked to Jeff. I uh, want to see one week ago, and I promised him that we were gonna work together again soon. Cause uh, I really enjoyed uh, what we did together a lot, and and I can't wait to work with him again. And and I have to say, in terms of popularity, Jeff really built up my career a lot. Uh, he didn't. I mean, he did so many interviews all over. Uh, Magazines, web, everywhere, TV, even on TV, and every time he was talking about Wolverine and our story arc, he always talks about me, my work, and how beautiful the pages were, and that's it. Well, this question makes no sense now because obviously you have a chance to uh, play around um, a lot with within the Jeff Loeb scripts. 
Yes, I, I, let's say I had a total freedom, uh, but I, I really didn't need it uh, at all, because he cause asked it, you. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, it was exactly was, uh, what I was ex expecting, and, uh, and we're going to have an amazing conclusion. You guys would, would, never, would never guess in a million years what is going to happen. And and I have to say all the complaints I heard about about eh, this is not gonna happen it's not possible uh, they're not gonna do anything new trust me it's gonna it's gonna be something really huge and it's gonna brings a lot of uh, changes along. All right, you're ex exclusive at Marvel right now, right? Yes, <laughs> but you're, One... you're you're doing uh, some DC covers. Yes, that was written in my contract, surprisingly enough, because I didn't ask for that. And Marvel uh, has been kind enough to allow me to do one, one cover a month for, for DC Comics. So I catch the chance right away, because I love Batman as probably my favorite characters, character ever. So people all over the web was wondering why the hell I was keep doing these covers uh, despite my uh, exclusive content at Marvel. And the answer is simple. I mean, they just uh, let me do that without me asking, asking it. So it was just... Uh, it, was, it was great. It was really great. I was... Uh, I, have to, I, I have to say... I was really, really surprised because I thought that uh, I, I was ready to quit the, the covers because of the exclusive, as, or because of the exclusivity with Marvels, with Marvel. But uh, <clears throat> it's been a great pleasure, uh, especially for my friendship with my editor at, at DC, Peter Tomasi who is a great editor and I had a, a great time working with him and so yeah that I mean it's an easy answer I just they just let me do that mm -hmm. how many um, are, are you on Wolverine just until the conclusion uh, you mean the conclusion of Jeff Lobb's story arc yes yes of course uh, right now I'm working on the last five pages of issue number 54 and so I still have one issue left that is issue number 55 and then and then it's gonna be done it's like six it, it, it's it's a six issue story arc so but are, I did. You, are you gonna are you gonna uh, are you gonna keep doing Wolverine um, after Jeff Lobb's yes. story arc no all right no, I I I read somewhere that our I, I don't remember his second name, Chicken maybe. Uh, uh, it's gonna take over as art uh, as new artist of Wolverine, and I've been asked to, but I I wanted to do something even bigger. If you I mean if 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 you can believe it, because I I'm I have to say. Proudly, I, I, I'm gonna say this proudly. The, the first issue has sold like a hundred and I don't know, forty, fifty thousand copies, and it was like number three in in the charts for the month of of January. So, but 
trust me again, next project is going to be even bigger, and uh, I can't believe to start. So, so you see, you're, you're teasing us a lot, but you're not saying anything. Exactly. Ah. <laughs> is, it, is it one of those things, be, like, it's top secret? It's really top secret. We, we're gonna, we, I, thi I think, I th I'm not saying it, I, I, I'm saying, I mean, I think that we're gonna make a big splash announcement this year in San Diego, but I'm not, I mean, you know, I'm not sure, 100%. That's, right. That was the idea when I was in New York and we met. Uh, yeah, I'm teasing it. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm not allowed to talk about that, otherwise Marvel yeah, is going to screw me. <laughs> But every, but it's going to be a lot of fun. All of you guys do that because I was talking to Fraser Irving and he was like, um, I've been having talks with Marvel, but... Um, but I can uh, talk about that. Okay. Yeah. And they were like, yeah. I, I, I went to them and, and they told me, it's top secret, Fraser. You can't say this to anyone. And, yeah, uh, especially, to, you know, in interviews to, to journalists and stuff. I know, I, mean, I know. It's... You know, you know, Miguel. It's just part of the business. I know, I know. So it's uh, it's part of it's an important part of the business, and I think I learned my lesson pretty well from people like Joe Q and all those guys. You know, it's uh, this way people is gonna really talk about the news much more than they would have if they if they if we would talk about that uh, too soon so no no and I understand that pr uh, completely and uh, actually I, I but if you send me uh, like a ten thousand dollars check I'm gonna tell you right away okay okay <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll think about that but I, I, I do I do understand because uh, I've been actually uh, before doing I think I did this twice now prior to interviews I actually, because they were both projects that really um, required um, silence uh, yeah. from Marvel's part, and I actually told the, the artist and the writer, because it was one artist and writer, and I told them, uh, check with the editor first if you can talk about it. Because <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't want to put any, you know, to to give anyone any headaches or. Yeah, sure. No, you're right, but I, I don't worry about me because I check it already. And I can right. talk about that. <laughs> All right. So, is, but, are there any future projects that you can talk about? Uh, no, I really don't think so. <laughs> no. no, no. Actually, I mean, because next pro. Okay, now I'm gonna tease it again a little bit. All right. Next project is gonna take all my time away. You know, it's gonna, it's gonna be, it's gonna get me busy. Uh, I, I wanna say at least 100, at least 900 percent. I love to have like 10 hundred percent of my working time left free for me. You know, keep doing my own stuff like painting and, and illustration and my own things. I need to do that, but the next project is gonna really keep me busy for uh, for a lot a long time and are you are you going to uh, be in San Diego? Yes, of course. I'm, I I mean, I hope so. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm going to be there. I'm going to have my own booth actually. Nice. I bought it. Yes, nice. That's nice. I'm going I bought it cuz I talked to my art dealer, Sela Binanti. Is the guy who works for Alex Ross. I mean, he, he works for Alex Ross in first play, place. Then he's working for me and Bill Sinkiewicz too. And I talked to him. Sal is like a, an older brother to me, uh, like best of the best friend. 
uh, one of the best friends I ever heard my my whole life. And he told me, Simone, this this year you better get your own booth because of Wolverine, because you got it's gonna be crazy and people is gonna show up and you know a lot of people is gonna show up and and uh, and plus he uh, kind of uh, warned me in advance that artist alleys would have been cut a little. And that's what happened. I don't know if you if you knew if you if you know the news, but artist alleys this year uh, are gonna be really smaller than than the past years. Oh, that sucks. That sucks big time. <laughs> that yeah. sucks big time because a lot of a lot of guys like artists, colorists, you know, they have to to give up about having their own space uh, at San Diego. And that means some good business for us. Um, so I did my move, you know. Uh, I think it was it was a good time for me to do that. So I got the booth, and let, let's let. I mean, I think it's gonna work out. I had uh, oh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, this year in New York has been beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, I had tons of people coming over. It was really a pleasure and I was really proud and happy about that. Did you have fun? Oh, are you kidding me? It was it was amazing. It, it was, was it wasn't was a it? blast. Yeah. It was a blast, but just not about the sh the show and the, the daytime. You should have seen <laughs> you should have seen what ha what happened in the nighttime too. <laughs> and and getting back in the morning with them, you know, some like are you saying uh, hangover, you know, from yeah. the night before? Yeah. But but it's been great. It really, a, a total blast. I can't wait to be in New York next year again. And next year is going to be in April, so it's going to be warmer and and easier for for everybody. Yeah, it was pretty cold. So uh, is San Diego where fans can see you next? Yes, for uh, yes, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna do any other convention, not even not even in Italy or or in Europe, uh, up until San Diego this year, and that's it. All right, do you want to tell people your website? Yeah, sure. It's I mean, it's pretty easy. It's just www.simonebianchi.com. The right spelling it's S I M O N E B I A N chi.com and I just have to say that my art dealer sell and our web guy John Schwarzberg they're doing an amazing job in keep updated the website constantly so for every one of you who might be interested in um, what's going on with my work next future project art for sale uh, behind the scenes sketch and you know those kind of things that, that, that I mean personally I love that I love. Uh, you can always log www.smallbianchi.com and you you're gonna have a, a constant update of what's going on with my work and with my images. So please don't miss it. Okay. This was fun. Uh, I understand that you can't say anything else about the future projects, but uh, <laughs> but you're trying again. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying. I'm not saying anything. I was just no, mentioning I'm kidding. it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, but, no, uh, no, I'm not. I, I can't talk about that. I know, but uh, but uh, thank you so much for doing this. Show.
Where was it you think we met? At your house, don't you remember? No, no, I don't. Are you sure? Of course. As a matter of fact, I'm there right now. What do you mean, you're where right now? At your house. That's fucking crazy, man. Pleasure talking to you. So let's investigate this little civil war thing. In your opinion, uh, yes, and we'll we'll go down the list. What Marvel titles benefited from Civil War, and which ones did not? In terms of the new status quo and how it affected the storylines and the writing. And just are the books more exciting post Civil War, or were they better before or during Civil War? So I think we should start it at the top, the book that pretty much had the the biggest change to it, and that's Amazing Spider-Man. Y'all can disagree if you don't think that's the one that saw the most sweeping changes. Um, really um, more I so than Captain America. I haven't read anything after the Civil War issue, so. Okay. Can't chime in on this one. Well, you, you can you can chime in on no, the back during. in black for, for, for Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think amazing was just that during Civil War. It was really well written. It was exciting. And so far in the back in black story that we've seen so far, what two parts? Yes. It's o- it's okay, but I'm waiting uh, for it to go somewhere. Right. I think I'm going to have to wait to see how the story develops to make a, a you know a, an opinion formulate an opinion on that but as it stands now i do believe that it was a much more exciting book before and during civil war well i wasn't reading any spider-man until the, that civil war arc started and uh i was pretty impressed with what they've done there oh hell yeah so 
I was uh, I was going to wait for the trade on this uh, Back in Black art to see if it carried on. But, you know, I'm already hearing complaining out there that this depiction of Spider-Man in this book is not what is being depicted in the family of other Spider-Man books. That's very true. Yes. Dave, what do you think? How, uh, you read Amazing, right? Yes, I do. I'm uh, enjoying it. I, um, where, where it is right now, there's, I mean, it's just been, what, two issues, so... You know, it's sort of like trying to uh, say whether I like a book when I'm only halfway into it. But uh, I don't know. I like it. It's very serious right now, of course, due to the event. And um, I don't know. I've always been impressed with Trzynski's writing, and I think he writes the characters really well. And um, I, I like the the new tension, the new post Civil War tension that this title and other titles are having too. You know, this kind of you know, I always think it's fun to see Spider-Man sort of on the run or on the other side of the wall or yeah, the book has an air of unpredictability. Yeah, to it. yeah, yeah. It's unpredictable. There's tension. It's uh, yeah. When it comes, I think that's the first book I read when I when uh, the week that it comes out. I have to know what's going on next in it. You know? So it's doing its job for me. So thumbs up from Dave. Yeah. I I think Amazing is really good, and I I like Dave. I do like the uh, the devil may care attitude of the book. You, you really don't know where Peter's going to end up next, and and like Dave said, the tone of Amazing Spider-Man is really grim right now, and does not in any way reflect what's going on in the next two books on the list, Friendly Neighborhood and Sensational, which I'll let you guys talk about it because I've mentioned it before. I I, I really think <laughs> both of those books took a downturn after Civil War. The the, the Back in Black storyline outside of Amazing is just n- not something that I, I'm i interested in. Well, it's nice that it's... Um, no, we have a few folks on on the board and, and like Darth Kramer and the host of the Amazing Spider-Cast. I, these folks like the other two titles. And, and actually, Matt Kramer really enjoy, is enjoying Friendly Neighborhood. And, you know, it's... Whatever floats your boat. I'm not. I don't think Todd Nock is is you know the best Spider-Man artist right now, and I'm not real thrilled with what's going on with From the Neighborhood. It's sensational, really, isn't to me right now. So I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm just real happy with just looking at Amazing. I mean, and I'm 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 a fan of that book right now. I thought it was really strong during Civil War. I have I have no problems with it, and I'm I'm really looking for I'm. I'm enjoying the ride with Back in Black right now, and I'm really looking forward to one more day. I think, not to beat a dead horse, but the the guy's surrogate mother is in a coma near death. I, I really don't think that he'd be hopping around with Sandman trying to clear his father uh, of his crimes. I don't either. No. It just, it, it doesn't matter. And, and they are happening concurrently because in one, one issue... Uh, someone asked Peter how Aunt May is, and and he said, "Touch and go," and you know. So yeah. what the hell are you doing, running around with a, a cybernetic spider helmet on? You know, it just doesn't make sense, and it it it, it doesn't take away from what Straczynski's doing because that's in its own little universe, as far as I'm concerned. And these other two, they're not going to stop publishing the books just because Straczynski's doing something for five or six issues. I, I understand that, but they could do stories that weren't so adventure related maybe have stories where peter 
is remembering May from way back or just events that happened before she was shot. You know, just mix it up. I, I really, it's almost like the, the stories don't mean anything. When I stack up what's going on in Friendly Neighborhood and Sensational with what's happened in the Spider books since I've read them, they don't stack up well to to many of the high points at all. That That's what I compare them to. Is this... A, a friendly neighborhood arc as good as the stuff that Peter David was doing before Back in Black? No, it's not even close. It's just the the, the stories are fluffy. They're 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 lighthearted. I just I, I don't think they should have even had the Back in Black tag on them. But there are people who disagree. But wasn't that uh, Peter David's intention when taking on that book that he was going to make it the all ages, yeah, yeah just friendly. kind of right. fun romp, and that could be what that particular audience is looking for in that book. I mean, yeah, you're saying, Vince, that you know, his surrogate mother's in a coma, she's been shot, He's he's got to be worrying about that, he's got to be, you know, that's got to be on the forefront of his mind, but yet here he is fooling around with the Sandman and then, okay, over here, now, he, now he's trying to rescue teenagers that were kidnapped by Calvin Zabo. It's like, you know, well, why, why should I give a crap about Amazing Spider-Man if all this other fluffy stuff and, and throwaway if you want to call it that storyline that's going on over here, but it's you know it's it's designed I think for a different audience, so you can have that light and fluffy and and kind of fun romp, and and who else is going to do that other than Peter David? So I mean, right. this, uh, you know, at least at least that that's at least hitting a home run in that regard that it is you know even I don't think those friendly neighborhood stories still I think they still had some humor, especially where Flash and Betty were concerned. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, so they they had their moments, but and and did it feel like it? I, I wasn't reading the the Uncle Ben or the alternate timeline or universe storyline before Back in Black. So and before Civil War, did did this last issue tie up that storyline at all for you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. And and that issue, the uh, pre Civil War Uncle Ben thing with the the Goblin and the future Spider-Man. It was it was a lot of fun. It was really well done. But I, I, I think they should have kept those two books pre-Civil War. You know, we're grown men and women who read these books. We can understand that these stories may not have happened. In, they're, they're not currently going on. Keep them in the red and blue and just focus on the black costume and amazing. Uh, that's the, uh, I think that's one of the problems when you have, you know, four or five titles that all feature the same character. You know, yeah. you start thinking you uh, the comic. You know, all the comic fans want them all to be. You know, have continuity between each other. And but when you think about it, you start going, "How can he be doing all of this at the same time?" You know, so you're yeah. supposed to put. I guess you're supposed to put that logic sensor off or something, and just be like, "Oh, it's you know, it's I can enjoy a Peter David Spider-Man too." But then they do the back in black where they have to make it tie together for some sort of cross-promotional purposes, mm-hmm. you know, to go with the other titles and to go with some movies. So the dude can just multitask. Yeah, yeah, he's he's everywhere. But well, there was a uh, uh, a spoof or a joke that someone did on the internet a long time ago, and it was, I can't remember if it was a little web comic or it was an animation, but it was about um, Wolverine and. It was basically, here we have the, uh, you know, the, here's the X-Men, blah, 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 and Wolverine. And then there we go, and here's 
the uh, Wolverine is in his own book, and he's like, oh, hey, how you doing? And then they go, and here he is, here's Wolverine with the Avengers. Wait, here he is. And he's all out of breath. He's like, I had to run all the way over. ridiculous that he was in everything, or that there's so many titles that around one character, but, you know, what are you going to do? Three titles a month and a is um, Spider-Man Family's bi-monthly, correct? Yeah, I think so. So three titles and an egg, um, and, and New Avengers. Yeah, it's a bit much, I think. And, right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ultimate. Spider-Man with, Fantastic Four miniseries, which is yeah. great. So you know the the Spider-Man audience is pretty saturated with books. So it, it does stand to reason that, you know, you'd have a little bit of continuity problems here and there. And I'm not even a stickler for that. But I, I, I do think that they could have planned this in a way where the, the other two titles would have meshed a little bit better or not at all with yeah, what's going on in Amazing. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, just, just keep them uh, the untold tales of Spider-Man. There's nothing wrong with that. Jesus, that's half of the Batman output. Or, or it was at one time. You know, you had Legends and you had Shadow where they you never knew when these stories were happening or w- when they did tell you they were not related to what was currently going on. Why can't they do that with Spider-Man? Because I think Straczynski's story is very important and it's, it's, it's got a lot of weight to it. And that's one thing I could say about the other two titles. They're really fluffy. There's not a lot of... Uh, they're not very important. Yeah, those, you don't even have to read them. Those stories actually, I mean, he could be wearing the red and blue. Those stories, if, if they could be told anytime. Right. And hopefully they will never be told again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's move on. We, we beat the spider titles a little bit. they gave us at Diamond uh, for us to order this book. Okay, and this is exactly how it goes. It's ripped from the pages of the New Avengers. The Illuminati is composed of some of the greatest heroes and leaders in the Marvel Universe. In this special, readers are treated to behind-the-scenes actions as they see just what the secret cabal has been up to over the years. That's it. That's what we had to order this book from. So at no point does it say that it's a reprint of number one and two. At no point did it say that, that there, even if there's going to be reprint material, it didn't say anything about it. So it sounds like it's a new book. So, of course, we ordered it as heavily as we ordered the regular issues. Um, and I'm going to assume that a lot of other stores do. Most of, my, of the guys that I uh, know that have stores, they did the exact same thing. And I had actually just sent an email out this past week to my rep to uh, argue about this point and then try to return some of the issues. So, So there you go. Now you know. And I will talk to you guys later, okay? 
the next book I think is the number one title as far as improving post-Civil War and that's Fantastic Four. I think it got a major kick in the ass after the uh, fallout with Mr. McDuffie coming on and the two new members with Black Panther and Storm. The dynamic has changed. It's, it's more of a cosmic book now, which is what Fantastic Four should be. Uh, I just think the writing's a hell of a lot better. Yeah. Uh, I, there's, a, there's a good sense of humor mm-hmm. yeah. in the book that I like. I, I do think that the Sue Reed squabble had to be fleshed out. It was it was integral to understanding the ramifications of Civil War, but I don't think it had to be done in so many freaking issues as they, they did. Uh, it could have been done in, in you know, say, one or two. And I, I did like the fact that they focused on Ben over in France. That was fun. But uh, they, I felt like it was basically treading water during Civil War. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because we, we kind of almost got more of Reed in the Civil War mini than we kind of did. And, I mean, re- really not much happened in Fantastic Four. We, you know, Johnny's in a coma. Okay, now he's not. And and Reed's going to talk to Peter, which also happened in Amazing. Which I think was done better in Amazing. Yes, it was. And it, it just, you're right. I mean, there was a lot of, it, it really did feel like it was treading water. And it really has, and I'm glad to see that McDuffie, I don't know whose idea, if, you know, if it was the editors to say, okay, well, you know, or just it worked out that way where the the Wakandan embassy was destroyed, so therefore, you know, we'll just make Storm and, and Black Panther members of the team, and I don't know how that came about, I don't know whose idea it was, I'm glad that we're not seeing Reed and Sue trying to get back together, you know, while they're on you know the moons and Titan, and you know make that an annual story if you want. You know put put that in a, in, a, in a one one book and just be done with that story. We get to see them. For those that want to find out, you know how they made amends, so be it. But I'm glad to see that the Fantastic Four as a title is a real fun title to read. Yeah, McDuffie came in and in the scope of say three issues, he. I mean, almost literally kicked the audience in in the nuts and threw Galactus, Silver Surfer, Gravity, Black Panthers in there doing things that he would never be able to do, but we don't get on want to get on <laughs> that again. Uh, he's a master he, grappler. He is. He he <laughs> loves. He he's very adept at the reach yeah. around. It's uh, <laughs> not just a river in Egypt. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Fantastic Four is is so good now. It's it's one of the ones. Like Dave with Amazing, I always reach for Fantastic Four first. Whatever week that comes out. You know what's not better after Civil War? Oh, I'm sure we'll get to those, but what do you think is not better? Wolverine. Uh, I think I'm going to have to reluctantly grit my teeth and agree with you that. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it it's fun now, and I'm very intrigued with what's going on and where it's going. But I do have to say that Guggenheim did a fantastic job. Yep. Yep. That was a killer stint that he had on that book. Yeah. yeah. Not only was it afterwards, though. Well, if David had his way, he would he would pat you on the back and say good move. But I mean, I think it's still a good book. It's nowhere near as vital as it was it's during Civil War. It's a story right now. 
<laughs> Who's writing it now? Loeb. Uh, and that's not that's, even that's not that's not even the entire bad part of it, but that's probably why I'm not reading it anymore. Yeah. What what is the bad part of it while we're on the subject? I'm I'm not real thrilled with a lot of the art in it, but if I don't know if it's the editors, so I mean I don't want to lay it all all the blame on low, but it's just the whole. I, it's it's really hard to, to put into words. It's like. I don't, I have never, actually I mentioned it on post a while ago, I can't imagine that in the last, in, in 53, we had, we had Wolverine walk up to two Wakandan guards, basically telling them, let me pass, I'm going to go see Sabretooth, and they say no, the king told us not to let you pass, and he's going to unsheath his claws and they're going to step aside, you know, no, and then, and then he gets into the room. Sabretooth gets free, kills the two guards. It's like why? What? Why are? Why are the Wakandans the red shirts of the Marvel universe? Because it happened in Wakanda that someone had to no, die. No bullshit. No, no. This 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 story wouldn't. This story doesn't make sense in its location that it's in, based on everything we've ever read. Especially going back to the priest run and probably even before then. But the priest run is what's fresh in my mind. Wakandans don't just, you know, oh, well, it's Wolverine. Let, let's move at it away. He unsheathed his claws. Bullshit. And in any other comic book, there'd be a ten-page fight between the guards and Wolverine just before they'd let him in. They wouldn't even let him into the room. And that would they, be really interesting to read. Yeah, it would. <laughs> It'd be a hell of a lot better than what the hell I'm reading now. And then I end up with, what, Sasquatch on the last page, and, and Wild Child, and God knows who else. And Oh, oh I'm sorry. Wolfsbane, Sasquatch, and who, who's the third dude? Your judgment is clouded by your love for Black Panther. It, it is. No, no, my, my my judgment is clouded by wanting to read a good fucking story. No, see, you saw that part where Creed had Black Panther up in the neck lock and was no, just about that, to kill that, him, that, oh, and you said, you know okay. what, the blinders came on. This sucks. Black Panther no. would never be in that oh, position. I'm sorry, I'm sorry <laughs> but, but Black Panther could never give Silver Surfer fucking arm lock, so let's just, oh my Agreed. God. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Master Grappler, guys. <laughs> yeah, right, man. Move on. Move on. Next title. Oh, no. <laughs> no. This is just getting good, buddy. <laughs> this isn't. This This is not. No, this David is, this Price. Is alternate universe. This is, this is. I don't care. I uh, think your, your dues in the Wakandan fan club are due, buddy. You better pay up. I'm the only man love. Right he does love the Black Panther, doesn't he? I do. I, I, we just love to pick on you. Really? Yes. That <laughs> wasn't so obvious. I'm sorry. To tell you the next episode, thanks to C1BIT for his time. And thank you for wasting your time with bullpen bulletins. Now, for something completely different.